I do think that it's up to us as black people, as indigenous people, as people of color to tell our stories, the ones we've lived and the ones that have been passed down and to be brazen about it. You're listening to a podcast by 2M Creative Labs. Creatives have so much to give. Listen to diverse and talented creatives as they recount their experiences in the industry and share their expertise, strategies, mindsets, and ideas. On this episode, we have Olivia Onuk, a whole of many parts, a writer, trauma counselor, community organizer, and an all-around thinker and doer of so many things. We talk about creating poetry and art for healing, how to write more effectively, and what makes writing exceptional and captivating. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the podcast and today's episode we have Olivia and maybe we just to kind of get us started, could you introduce yourself, who you are and what do you do? Uh, my name is Olivia Odunk and I am a Nigerian woman. I um, am a friend, daughter, sister and safe space, I guess, if you follow me anywhere on social media which my name is Olivia, everywhere. Uh, you probably heard me say that I'm a whole of many parts. I just a person, I guess. I always feel like my body and my spirits are constantly fighting to exist as one. But um, I find that a lot of who I am is defined by the work that I do. And I do a lot, a lot. And yeah, I'm a writer, I'm a counselor, trauma counselor. I'm an event planner, consultant, community organizer, up and coming social media, graphic designer, just an all around thinker and doer of things. I guess. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it really is a lot. And I mean, from when we first kind of got acquainted, in a sense, um, I think you were more of a writer and a, spe- and a speaker during that time. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting because like reading your poetry and your writing, the way that you kind of expressed, you know, my mind and body kind of have a hard time like fitting as one. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like the way you speak also shows in the way like you write is cool. Super cool. <laughs> Thank you. I, I always, I'm always hoping that people kind of see that. I sometimes post little quips of like my mind talking to like my other mind or so, however. <laughs> but I think it's just very interesting because I, I find that there's the me, like who I am, and that comes across a lot in my writing. And then there's also how I present to the world, like how, like, yeah, when you meet me outside and then I'm doing speaking and community things, mm-hmm. I'm a very different me. But yeah, it's all, it's all me, all me. It is. It's. I think that's. It's cool, right? It's like we have so many facets of ourselves, and you can kind of yeah, express like, all of them together in different ways. Yeah, and I think like we all do. I think we all do because you can see like a person, you know, the way they behave with their friends or their family or at work, and like you know, we we are able to tap into different parts of ourselves depending on the situation. It's not always bad, I guess. So I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Um, so kind of how did you get started into being a writer, a poet? Um, can you talk us through a little bit of the history on that? Ah, uh, history. That's a good one. I don't know if I ever really sat down to think about it. I, I was always, like, I always kind of say to people that I was that child that was just kind of strange. I didn't really like people. I didn't really like um, doing things that, you know, I didn't know I wasn't I didn't play a lot as a child 
and um, I was just very reclusive. And what and what that led to was just me reading a lot. And so I would sometimes take books and just write them out. I like practicing my handwriting. So sometimes I wasn't like changing anything. I was just writing the story all over again. But that was kind of the beginning. And then I slowly think I remember like when I moved to Canada for high school, I <clears throat> um, was very into literature. Like taking literature was a part of my courses. And um, I started posting little clips on Facebook and you know, obviously my mom was like, oh my God, this is so nice, right? <laughs> so, and, my fr- and my friends would like it. And, you know, and, you know, it was bad. And I think like, even when I went back to those poems, like maybe two or three years ago, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> who, was I, who was I talking about? But, but that, was, that was pretty much it. I, I didn't know how to talk to people. And I still, I still say, even as an adult, I don't really know how to say things as well as people would assume that I do. Um, writing for me is is a way to it's it's a way to talk to myself. It's a way to to hear myself clearly. It's a way to to express some of the things that are going in my mind that I just can't really. I was that child. There's um so I guess context. There's ten years between me and my sister, and eight years between me and my brother. Um, age difference. So we were not very close growing up because we were just like just very far apart. So I just, I was just very, by, I liked to be, I liked to be by myself. And um, yeah, so that just kind of led to me needing to say things and obviously not really knowing how to say them or how to say them to other people. So I just started writing and slowly I, started sharing them and yeah I was from Facebook and then again with my literature teacher in high school he had a really big impact on me and my writing and he he really encouraged me to share my poems just more publicly and I guess that was that was also the rise of like Twitter and Instagram and all that so I took advantage of that and I took just a bit of joy in the fact that sometimes I would share things and people would connect with them or just be intrigued by them or you know just like it and it was it was nice for me in that way because I could say things without really you know having to say things just you know without having to say them plainly I could just get out what I needed to that's really cool it's it's nice in that way I think to like have that form of expression and people kind of just understand it instead of trying to find the language that you might not necessarily have right now. Yeah. And I think everyone has that, right? Like everyone has their language. That's what, that's what art is. Right? It's, whether you're singing, dancing, designing, or, you know, decorating, whatever it is you're doing. First, for a lot of people, it's their way of connecting with the world or, you know, expressing themselves, a part of themselves. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's really good. Um, what was the thought process behind the focus on, I guess, the word langur? Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, lang langor. Langor. I don't actually. I don't really know. I don't think I've ever heard anyone use it in a sentence, but I'd say langor. Um, I haven't used it in a sentence personally, so I'd like to. <laughs> yeah. <hear that. laughs> yeah, like on my on my website, like the, the landing page, there's like I put the dictionary definition there because I imagine connecting with it was actually my first time hearing the word. 
Um, and so the, the, the dictionary definition of it says it's the state or feelings that are often pleasant of tiredness or inertia. So uh, when I first learned the word, I was like, wow, I didn't even know that you could spell my name like that because it was like, I was just being called out because I was like, yeah, that's just me. Like, I, I, um, like I talked about earlier, like a lot of my work is about connecting with people and connecting to connecting people to their stories and to other people. And, um, you know, like when I listen, like it feels like with the multitude of things that I engage in, languor and what it means really is how I come back to myself. I feel like I am most myself in those moments of stillness and even you know, tiredness. I, I think it was last year when, when we had Creatives Connect, that was like, it was an event that I put it, the most into and we had worked on it for like five, six months. And after the event, I remember I went underground for like a month. I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I needed to recharge, right? Like I needed that time of just nothingness, like just being still with my thoughts in myself. And so, yeah, I think that was really the thought process behind the focus on that was like um, letting people know that like this is really who I am. Like, I mean, I am all these things, but I'm also still a person that really needs rest a lot. Um, so that, yeah, I think it's just important also that people remember that. It's very easy for people to see, especially with the work that I do as a counselor and sometimes just being involved in the community, it's very easy to just expend a lot of energy and not realize that you are. So yeah, for me, it was just centering that, like reminding myself also that rest and that point of like just being still is also important to my person. It's something that I struggle with a lot. Like I think I said at the beginning, I define myself a lot by the work that I do and it's important for me to sometimes remember that I am not just the work that I do I am you know even when I'm doing nothing I'm still I'm still all that I am and that's okay absolutely I think with the way that we can like perceive a lot of like our peers and really just like people around us through Mm -hmm. um, any sort of network that we're forming it's it's so easy to kind of look at that and say like if I'm not moving like who am I essentially? When in reality, yeah. like even this, those pauses, those still moments are uh, completely part of us as well. Yeah, and yeah, and it's interesting because I think it was today actually, or no, like two days ago that my friend sent something that was called. Um, he he sends out a newsletter. His name is Toby and He's a writer, um, but he sent out a newsletter and it was talking about like resignation or recess and basically just the importance of taking a recess, like taking time to pause and recharge and i think that this time in the world is also like teaching us that collectively that you know what are you going to do like you have to pause you have to actually mm-hmm. we all had to we all had to stop and and just do nothing whether we liked it or not and i think it was very i think it's been very important it's probably been very scary and challenging for a lot of people because yeah like like you just said right we're so used to go, 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 and do, 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 and like, who am I if I'm not doing anything? Yeah, it's, it's certainly something that, um, even for me personally, it's, it's weird to kind of get accustomed to knowing that, like, oh, I, I, I actually can move the way, like, the pace that I used to, um, but it doesn't make me any less in that way. 
Sam. That was really it. Um, and Langua was just a cool word that I just stumbled <laughs> upon. And I was like, ooh, word that means lazy, but like sounds fancy. <laughs> it's a fancy but way of saying that. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, so your work is centered around art as therapy, kind of the letting out of what one must, which I pulled from your website. What drew you to creating poetry and writing for healing? I think it was my healing, or I guess my recognition of a need to heal, if that makes sense. I, um, I tell people it's very important that this is understood, is that I write first for me. Um, as much as I have been blessed with, like, you know, with my writing connecting me to a diverse number of people, I write first for me, right? Like, it's about me getting out what I need to get out. It's about me connecting with my experiences first, me understanding what happened to me or processing the things that are happening to me. So. Um, in terms of what drew me to creating poetry for healing, I don't think it was, it wasn't anything that I, you know, sat down and was like, okay, this is going to be my theme. It was just like, I, I needed to heal. And I actually, I think I actually posted a poem on Instagram the other day that said like the poems heal and then they do the healing. So for me, that's, that's always been what my poetry has been about. Like the poems heal me first or they attempt to, and then I can put their mouths into the world and, offer that as some kind of like balm for others i guess mm-hmm. um i think it's important for any artwork right like yeah absolutely. it has to speak to you first mm-hmm. and that's that's interesting you were going to say like that's the important part i think a lot of uh creators artists uh even like il- illustrators that would create for things like mental health or any sort of um current problems that you know they want to use mm-hmm. their creativity to solve it tends to come from within because they have to they use it for themselves first and then that sort of I guess cascades into their audience yeah and I think that I think that's that's really just how it is right because people people want to connect with something real right like they want to connect to something that they can understand and when you are able to put yourself like in as much as you might think that you're art is weird or strange or that you are different like there there is someone somewhere that connects with a part of you but like you would never know if you don't actually come across in your art so i think that if you if you look at like even famous people across the ages the point at which a lot of them started to lose you know the either the passion or the the want to create the want you know of, for creating that art it was usually when it wasn't about them anymore i don't know if that makes sense but usually you hear like about the big musicians and like how you know as soon as they didn't have control over their music you know then they started to spiral down i think that ultimately that's what makes art art is that mm-hmm. it's it's yours it's Absolutely. It's, it's unique to you so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually very interesting, like that parallel to musicians and, you know, when you have your own label that you've, you've got signed to and you have to make yeah. songs, you know, and, you know, those are the ones that are popular and for like a large scale audience, if you don't believe in that, it tends to not hit as well. And 
it's also an interesting thing that I, and this is, it's not really exactly what you just said, but it's also an, an off end to this, which is when it comes to art too, there's this angle of, should you always try to make money off your art? Right? Like it's something, it's a discussion that's kind of come up over and over again. You know, when we're talking about um, wanting to stay connected to this thing and creating it for you and for your love of it, does making it commercial kind of impact that in some way, right? Because like you talked about signing to a label or even like writing a book and then having a, an agency take it over, right? And then they have to, you know, either way, like there's, Sometimes I wonder, I wonder anyway, if there are things that um, we should keep for ourselves, not necessarily, I don't know. It's not really a question I have the answer to per se. I'm right. not saying that people shouldn't make money off their art, but at the same time, it, it, it is kind of scary to know that the, the farther it goes away from you, the, the less control you may have over it and how do you balance that? So mm-hmm. it's a question. I don't know. It's just a thought out there to all of you listening can ponder on that <laughs> that is a I, that's actually a really good thought to ponder is kind of the idea of you know like at what point do you sort of lose that kind of sense of i guess passion for it um that's mm-hmm. it's interesting because one of the things that and i think every now and then we'll have a guest come by and speak on the idea of you know passion versus making money with your art um, there are moments where, like, you love this thing, so okay. you, so you get an opportunity to do it for, for money. It's something that you can do for a living because you've you love it so much. You you've gotten so good at it, but then over time you sort of lose that passion because you're doing it for perhaps a service for someone else, and that's great. But at the same time, to be able to kind of find, oh. and it, it might be not the most feasible for people depending on how much time they have, but to be able to take some time for yourself and create for you again, mm-hmm. uh, kind of can yeah. help really recharge that passion back so that you can keep keep working for the money. Um, yeah. I think that that's, that's a really good, that's a good angle too. Like that's a good point that you mentioned, right? It's just, it's taking note of it, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's also the the... Sometimes that's also what happens is that you get lost and you don't actually realize that you're no longer creating for you anymore. But when you're able to be like, okay, no, now I'm I'm losing myself in this thing. I need to pause and go back and remember why. I think that's always, um, that's always key. Like going back to your why is very key. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You cross over your poetry, you do storytelling, trauma counseling, event and workshop development. How did you kind of cobble all of these things together? Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> whenever people list all the things that I do, I'm like overcome with just a wave of shame because I feel like, like, yeah, I'm definitely doing too much. And then it like so slowly spreads into like wonder that I'm like, how? How am I actually doing so much? Um, but like it doesn't the work doesn't feel like much when it's being done. Like it 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 doesn't. But anyway, everything that I do I think is rooted in storytelling. And I think just like we just said now, coming back to your why is very important. So with poetry I am telling my stories in the way that I feel able to. Right? And when I counsel people, I am giving them 
a space to tell their stories and assess how those experiences have shaped their life and their person. And, you know, that's, that's the key thing in the work as a counselor. I'm not, I don't really give advice. Like I'm not sitting there telling you what to do, right? It's about you, you talking and you coming to, um, with my workshops and events, it's the same thing. Like I encourage people to, I simply just build the space, put the space together. And that's, that's really all I do. Sometimes I encourage them to like, you know, write a poem or like, you know, play, do an exercise, but that's, that's my work, right? Is to just set the tone. Mm-hmm. The whole point is for them to experience one another and again, share their stories with other people who they may never have met, but who may have similar or, wildly different stories from their own so I think again like defining and staying true to why I do the things that I do is the reason why I've somehow been able to combine all these things right so when I'm hosting a workshop it's not like a random you know like I wouldn't host a fitness workshop or anything not because I don't like fitness but because I don't have the answer to why I'm doing that, right? Like, I don't, like, that's not where I'm at. I go back to why. So for me, it's, it's the talking. It's the putting people together. So whether I'm doing that through workshops or, like, spoken word or having a counseling session, like, for me, everything feels the same because I feel like I'm just connecting with people. Like, that's, that, is, that is the root of all the work that I do. So, yeah, people are the... People are what combine all the things that I do. Because sometimes you, you have, so I, sometimes I would have things that I want to say. And so for me with poetry, I, I, I listen to a lot of other poets and, um, with, and just with connecting with art and, and talking about art as therapy, I take in a lot of other forms of art. So that was, that was a huge part of my life. And I wanted to be able to share that with other people, right? Again, because that's my story and that's what's impacted me in my life. And so I just started to meet other people who like felt the same way about music and poetry and they've impacted their life. And we wanted to bring that to other people. So that was really just how like events came into it because even sometimes I'd have clients that I was talking to and I'd find out, you know, towards the end of our six months or one year of counseling that they're poets or they're singers and they perform and you know we would you know what i mean so Hmm. art and and people and and then again just moving that to the event space and then giving those people the uh, some kind of platform to share their stories again everything just like you said was it was seamless like it didn't seem like i was doing all these things right like it just seemed like it was it, it was flowing like this was what i was supposed to do with this information interesting that's so cool it's just to like have them sort of just fit all together yeah it's always so cool honestly i'm not going to lie like sometimes like i'll be talking to somebody and then you know you just find out that they know this person and they it's it's just so interesting or they did this thing three years ago and they connected with this it's i i can never give any credit of like the work i do to myself because with everything like even with the events like they are completely powered by the connections that i've made i even in my work like i am i if i'm a good counselor it's because of the people that i have come in contact with it's because of the people that i've worked with so yeah i just i enjoy learning people and just 
like helping them learn themselves i guess mm -hmm. absolutely oh, I, i love that humility it's it's super cool to kind of hear because i think i think that's what really helps uh the, the other people feel more comfortable sharing their story with you thank you <laughs> um, how do you think artists and creatives can solve problems or bring more awareness to the lack of representation for Black, Indigenous, people of color creatives or further educate on the subject? Um, I think that's a good question, especially, you know, mm -hmm. the climate that we're in right now. Um, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, about a week or two ago, I think. And we were kind of talking and he mentioned something. He said, I think as creatives, um, that we're the ones that are going to lead the revolution. And I just kind of like, aha, you know, like you're so deep, like who is this called the revolution? <laughs> but I kind of, but I kind of understood what he was saying. Cause we were just kind of, we were talking and like, like we were, we were feeling just really truly exhausted. Um, with everything that was happening. But I, I understood what he meant in the sense that creatives are really the ones that if we're able to hold on to that audacity to create and be seen, I think that I, I think that we are the ones that would lead the revolution, especially because right now the revolution is digitized, right? Like, like it, everything is, everything is and can be done online. You know what I mean? So... Mm -hmm. I understood what he meant in the sense that what makes you a creative is your willingness to think about the things that other people won't or are not, and then having the audacity to go out and execute those things, right? So I understand what he means in the sense that um, Casey would be the one to lead the revolution. So I don't know that I can cite a 10 step, like make the problem go away plan. Like this is what creatives are going to do to solve problems. Um, but <clears throat> I do think that it's up to us as black people, as indigenous people, as people of color to tell our stories, the ones we've lived and the ones that have been passed down and to be brazen about it. There is no lack of Black, Indigenous, or creatives of color. Like, there's no lack of those people. They exist. We're here. We are here. We are loud. We are plenty. What I fear is that we are waiting for them to let us in. Whoever they are, like, whoever these we feel, or whoever society has said the gatekeepers are, we are waiting to be let in. And I think it's important that we take off the space like as you can see like i mean that's really what's happening now right in the world is people are coming out and they're taking up space and they're saying no we're here like you're not going to ignore us you're not going to act like we're not here while still profiting off of us being here um so i think it's up to us to make the movies write the books start the podcasts paint the things draw the things design the things build the things like and and then we have to consume the things. So we have to do these things for ourselves. We have to be daring enough to say, you know what, we've waited. Like it's been it's been how long? And no, we're not going to wait for a seat at the table anymore. You, you you're not you don't want to represent us. That's fine. We will represent ourselves, kind of thing. And we have to do this for ourselves. 
and then we have to show up for ourselves <laughs> as well. So it's not just that we do these things, right? But then also as Black Indigenous people of color, we have to then show up for our other Black Indigenous people of color when they're doing these things. Um, and, and I think that is how the revolution will be led. I, um, I was on, on social media, they talk a lot about like the, our economic power mm-hmm. as people of color collectively. And I, I, I often imagine if a lot of our spend was directed to our communities, mm-hmm. like the change that we would see, because ultimately, in as much as art is awesome and beautiful and, and, and all these things, we do live in a capitalist society and money is the thing that moves. Money is the thing that moves things. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's important just again, when we talk about art and creating for ourselves, this, like I said, we have to do it for ourselves and then we have to then as a community show up for ourselves and consume those things that our people are creating. Mm-hmm. That's so true too, and to think about like even uh, just like you know over a few weeks ago, just kind of really c- contemplating where, where, like as you said, like where my spend goes, am I supporting mm-hmm. the, those movements or at least just the creatives that have been marginalized in any sh- way, shape, or form, right? Because yeah. they are like creatives are the ones that think about things that people don't see. They're the ones that can come up with those solutions that aren't so obvious. And maybe the yeah. purpose can be for entertainment, but now is an opportunity to create for that purpose of representation and for bringing more awareness and educating others. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I think, and that's what I think. Like I, I think when we when we talk about like um, bringing more awareness and all of that, I I always kind of chuckle a little bit because it was about. I think it was in 2016 or so that I, for the first time, just made a conscious decision. I said to myself. I'm not, I mean, aside from this one author that I read, like I committed to buying and reading only black authors. And so it's been four years now. And so what I've learned is that there is no lack of stories. Like there is no lack of people doing the work and, you know, talking about these important issues. There is no lack. But again, it's, I think for me, it's that, the world and I think the rest of us as well often wait for these things to come into the mainstream space before we support it and that's where now we now have to make a conscious effort of being like okay who are the people doing the work that matters and how can I actively support them absolutely bring them into the mainstream space and support them like they already were yeah. exactly right and and that's the thing like we make the mainstream right like we are the ones that make people go mainstream in the first place so, so if we decide to you know channel that energy somewhere else that person is going to make it and mm-hmm. i think it's 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 just making that conscious it, it, it's not going to be easy it's a lot of i think it's i think there's a lot of conditioning also that's happened but it is a conscious effort that we all we all owe it to ourselves to make because it's not enough to just tell creatives like you know please go out create build awareness but then like you're like you know you but then they're not going to be able to you know to eat or to 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 do the things that 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 matters to them because they want to create this work so no and and like i said to anyone listening um i think that if you look around you will surprise yourself with 
just the number of Black, Indigenous, people of color that are doing amazing creative work mm-hmm. and show up for them and they'll keep doing the work. So true. Oh man, just like even like thinking about like what I personally could do as like a photographer, filmmaker, I can understand like the whole, like do I have the audacity to do something like this? But You do. We all have audacity, like in varying, like, you know what I mean? In varying measures. Like, that's the thing. I, I watched something actually just today on Instagram. They were just talking about how we need everybody, right? Like, they're the people that are going to go out and be on the front line. And they're the people that are going to be marching. And they're the ones that are going to be, you know, praying. And they're the ones that are going to be singing. And they're the ones that are going to be making the art and doing the graffiti, right? Like, you've seen those murals that stretch mm-hmm. across like, you know what I mean? So we need everybody. They're the people that are now choosing to say, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm only going to be photographing black people. I'm only going to be, you know, I'm going to focus on telling these stories of these people, right? There are people that have completely shifted their, their, their focus. And they're like, no, you know what? Again, like I just said, like, it's it's as little as saying like, I'm for the next year, I'm going to read black authors and just educate myself on that. Right. Or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's really about asking yourself, like you just said, what can I do? And not, not really thinking that it has to be this big grand gesture. It's great if it is and if you can afford for it to be. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's also about in your own middle space and in your circles, what can you do to just not, not to show everybody else that you're supporting, but to be true to yourself that like, okay, if this is something that you actually want to do, then it's important to ask yourself, like, how can I commit? So like you said, like, there's so many things to do, like as a photographer, as a filmmaker, as an artist, as, you know, whether it's even like as you're, as a Starbucks employee, like you still have the little that you can do to make a difference in how the work of these people is being received or even just how these people themselves are being received and seen. So true. I said themselves, but like ourselves and myself. <laughs> yeah. But it's so true, right? It's it's those little things I think that will start that kind of movement, and it, it really is sort of how it became to be one of the more major changes of this year. Is like those little things that have occurred, those little actions that people have been taking that have cascaded and you know started yeah. a revolution, which is yeah, super exactly. cool to see. And I think it's it's just important to just keep reminding ourselves. I think it's so easy. I know sometimes I beat myself as well and being like, you know, what what can I do? It feels it's so easy to feel helpless and feel like if you're not out there or if you're not doing what it seems like other people are doing, then you feel like you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like you said, it's just sitting down with yourself and saying, No, what can I do? Like this is what I do. So how can I use that? to bring awareness to this or to just amplify this other voice a little bit. Absolutely. That's so much better than kind of looking at what other people are doing and mirroring it without really that self-reflection, I think. Yeah, exactly. Right. And yeah. And like we talked about, like, you know, your art should be about you. Like, you know, so it's not <laughs> enough to just go and be like, Oh, I like what they're doing. Let me go copy. Like just, it has to have some kind of meaning to you. So yeah, absolutely. That's- do you have any tips for people trying to improve their writing skills and expressing artistically, maybe less like a textbook? Hmm. <laughs> Just write. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think 
I think throughout my life, I have always kept a journal. Um, though, like, not at all with any focus on consistency. Don't get me wrong. It's not like a journal every day or, like, I don't know. Not at all consistent with it, but I've always kept a journal throughout my years. Um, I think that, and I probably read this somewhere a very long time ago, but I think that allowing yourself to write freely without the restrictions of, like, coherence or form is the best way to begin to hear yourself clearly. And even though this may not improve your writing skills, quote unquote, um, it will allow you to begin to see that the art is in you. Um, the art, the, art isn't this thing that you're seeking. It isn't this thing outside you that you're seeking. It's in you. And I think that sometimes those streams of consciousness are just sitting down and not thinking about you know, the line breaks or the edits or whether this word goes here and just allowing yourself to write the things that you are thinking and feeling freely um, is a good way for you to express yourself artistically. It's a good way to express your true self anyway. Um, Also, I think it's important to read. Very important as a writer to read. And read every read stories read poems read books read blogs read newsletters read you know like read the back of the soup package i don't know but just read like read things and read the work of the people that inspire you like read the writing that you like read the kind of writing that you feel you write like or you feel that you would want to write like read the kind of work that is true to you mm-hmm. um and then write again so like i said just write so then you do all these things then you go back and then you write so you're you are a writer because you write someone said that to me a while ago and i think somebody wrote that as well but i remember for the longest time i wrote poetry and i used to share it and i would perform at places and i used to you know submit my work but i used to hate when people would say oh so olivia she's a writer I hated it because I would never introduce myself like that because I didn't think I was a writer. I wasn't a writer unless I was published or I wasn't a writer unless, you know, people knew of my name kind of thing. That's what, that's what I always felt. And somebody just said to me, like, you are a writer because you write. So that is really what I say to anyone listening right now is you're a writer because you write. So write and keep writing. And in regards to upgrading your technical skills, like technical writing skills, Google is your friend (laughs) (laughs) that's so real it's it's very interesting like you do have to consume the writing that resonates with you the books the literature that you know really clicks with you so that you can lean more towards that direction and eventually your writing or i guess whatever creative form you're doing uh starts to move in that direction yeah it's important and i i know even for myself when i don't read like when i go long periods of time without being able to read or complete a book i i can see how my writing suffers which is why again that journaling part then comes back as some kind of buffer right because there are times when you are not able to write the things that you want to especially when you do writing as work right so when you have to write things for other people and you have to constantly produce things there are times when you may feel like you're losing your creativity um you may feel like you don't have time to read per se so it's so i think journaling in those times is also very important because sometimes you come back to it and you're like oh wow i said that like you know you don't realize that 
sometimes those streams of consciousness are the truest and most artistic thoughts really and i think sometimes we don't even a lot of people that also journal one thing i've noticed is we don't go back to it enough sometimes there are some gems i would tell that to writers out there um go back to those random things that you've written and i think i'll say that to any artist out there actually like go back to those random things that you've started right whether it's a painting or a, a project or something that you started that you just thought was really random in that moment go back to it over time and you i think you'd be surprised what comes from it that's so true oh man like i remember i've tried this whole journaling idea just you know the writing freely yeah. not really having any restraints if i make any like errors i have to fight my brain and say you know what that's fine like it's not a big yeah. deal and then coming back to it later on it's like whoa like i wrote these things and some of them are a little a little freaky but also a little like oh this is like these are genuine kind of spontaneous thoughts that really inspire that creativity i think yeah like the idea of people kind of feeling like they don't have the time to take that take that step back and you know let go of all the constraints and just create right um it's it's what actually brings back that creativity and sort of yeah. like a clearer headspace i think yeah i definitely agree mm-hmm. i think like if like how i said like um you know like allowing yourself to write freely is like the best way to begin to hear yourself clearly i think that when um and i i think this is a quote that i'm probably going to mess up but like people say like you see things better when you look back kind of thing so i think that also when you go back to those things that you've written you're able to see yourself a lot more clearly like um how you said those are very genuine thoughts and sometimes it also helps you to gauge how far you've come or how far you've not come i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah in that way journaling is nice because then you're able to see your progress or changes the way you've changed as a person or the way your life has changed and that's pretty cool too yeah absolutely oh what makes writing exceptional or effective uh i think the realness or sincerity of it um so humanness is what humanness is what i look for in writing um when people i think when people are consuming art they are looking to see themselves or at least a semblance of themselves so i believe that it's the person in the writing that makes it exceptional or effective i always say to my friends like when you do something just because it shows like it shows no matter how you try it it shows like you might be able to get away with it for a while but yeah it shows so ultimately i think yeah in terms of exceptional or effectiveness of writing and so effectiveness and i think of effectiveness i think of um I think of like first of all like telling a story sending a message and then connecting with others right so that is what to me makes writing effective right so either you're telling a story sending a message or connecting with others or you're doing all three kind of thing um in terms of exceptional I think that again that is for me when I see when I'm able to see the person in that writing right so whether whether that's an article like you know even you know like even when you read um entertainment articles and you can kind of like feel the person's personality like you can tell if they're drab or if they're fun you know what i mean like you can tell that in people's writing 
And it's important that people allow themselves to be able to come through in their writing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, now I'm going to have to pay attention to all these, like, articles and see if I'm getting uh, sleepy or, you know, I'm, I can really tell, like, oh, wow, this, this writer just really loves the subject that they keep writing about it. And You can tell. I think you can tell. Like, you know, sometimes you'll even read, a, you'll read an article on a subject that you're not really interested in, but you'll find yourself reading to the end of the article because of how the person is able to tell this story, right? Yeah. That's also another good point, right? Take note of that. See how, look at the next article you're reading and see if you can kind of come up with three words to define this person's personality. Absolutely. No, it's because it's like, if I, if I draw parallels to things like um, vloggers or just like anybody making videos or podcasts, some of them, you okay. know, it, it does feel like it, they're doing it just because, but there are others who are just deeply engrossed in what they're doing and you may not necessarily like you can tell but there's there's like subtlety to it where they're just really okay. involved in the things that they do and they're so absorbed in it and there's that yeah. sort of exceptional like humanness to it when someone connects with the work that they're doing like you can tell you can really tell and again it's not because like you know they're out there or like yelling from the top like you know what i mean it doesn't have to be this loud brash thing but you sometimes passion is subtle but it's there like you can when it's there it is there i think it, it still finds a way to come through absolutely do you have any favorite poets or authors that show that exceptional humanness side of them oh so many like i have so many i am constantly like on my instagram i'm always sharing poetry and other poets so definitely um i who's like Every time anybody's work that I follow breaks me in beautiful ways, I'm like, okay, I'm going to share it. But all-time favorite poet is, uh, or writers, I guess, it wasn't just a poet, but it's Charles Bukowski. And his poem, Bluebird, is one that I come back to often. A lot of people are like, oh my goodness, like why Charles Bukowski? And honestly, I'm going to say this. I really like him because he was a drunk and a womanizer. And that's not because I, I don't like him because he was those things, but I like him because he was very honest about the fact that he was those things. And it came across a lot in his writing. His writing was very kind of rude to say the mm -hmm. least, but it was honest, right? It was very given a lot of it was written drunk, but it was very honest, very real and very raw. And it took me reading his work. Um, it wasn't really that I connected with it per se. It wasn't a life that I lived or understood, but um, it was, it was a daring point for me because it made me now not want to be so proper in the way I was writing things. Like I read his work and just how he, and I, I don't think he made it quote unquote, like he wasn't, he wasn't famous until his forties or so. And it made me just realize that sometimes you just have to say things like sometimes you just have to say things and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be beautiful. And, and again, it goes back to like the stream of consciousness thing. I was talking about like just writing because you need to get it out. Sometimes you have to just say things and sometimes you have to do things and you have to put them out there and you just have to, you just have to do it. So I was, um, I connect with Charles Bukowski in that way. Anyway, some of, um, so sorry, I tend to go on a tangent when I talk about no, it, but some of my other favorites are, um, uh, Shire. Nagiro Wahid, 
hearsay daily word, Titi Lokpesh and Wanaudo Bang, amongst many, many others that I'm not going to like start listing right now. But those are the ones that I wrote down um, when I was answering the questions. Um, all of these people have amazing books or spoken word projects that are out right now and are very much worth taking in. And yeah, so again, as you can probably tell with all the people that I listed, I also make a point of, you know, connecting with the kind of poetry that I want to write and the kind of poetry that I see myself in. So that obviously involves a lot of black women because that is who I am. Um, do you have any favorite poets? I I don't spend enough time reading poetry or really like fictional literature for that matter, but I have come across um, several of Charles Bukowski, which is why I was very surprised when you mentioned the name. Um, but mm -hmm. the way that you kind of articulated like the reasoning for you know you for his work resonating with you, like it makes a lot of sense, um, and it really shows in kind of the way that you speak and like the things that you believe in when it comes to the stream of consciousness. That's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think we spend a lot of time and I say this we because like I do too. I still do. As much as I'm conscious of it, I still do. We spend a lot of time thinking about um what other people think and I think that that hinders us from doing a lot of things. Uh it's it's very it's it's helpful, don't get me wrong, it is helpful to consider how you affect others or how others are affected by you um but i think it can also be kind of distracting from the work it, it can distract you from just doing the things and putting them out there because you're you're often so concerned and yeah this is a very it's a self-drag because i'm also always concerned with what other people are thinking about my things but yeah, I think looking at every time I read any of Bukowski's works, I'm always like, 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 how are you screwing up your life like this? And you're just actively doing this. But for him, it was about it was about living. right? It was about just being able to do the things. And if it didn't work out, it was fine. And failure wasn't failure was just the thing, right? Like failure was just another day and you get up and you try again tomorrow. And, and a lot of us get so beat down by failure, beat down by the nose or the hard things of life. And you don't want to do the things, the other things that may possibly make life good. And yeah, I don't know, fear, shame. I'm talking to myself really right now, but Sometimes I think I think it's important, and and when I read Charles Bukowski, and I I kind of defend him in that way because I know that like you know, he didn't live the best life. I'm not encouraging anyone to live his life, no. but I am encouraging people to live, to just to live life and not like I, I said to someone the other day. I said you can always be sure that life will find a way to screw you over so why not just cling to the good when you know you have it right like you don't need life doesn't need your help to mess things up it can just come it can you know anything can happen like, you know what i mean we woke up this year and we're like 2020 vision 2020 and then corona was like nope nope so you know you can you can kind of just be sure that the world will find find a way of doing wild things so i think that it's important that where you can do good, where you can have good, you should. Absolutely. 
Yep, that's that's so real. And yeah, just even like the idea of yeah, the distraction thing like really clicked with me. Um, sometimes when I do these podcast episodes, I find that I'm sort of and Serena always tells me this too. It's like you know you're you're not coming across at all like as a human, and it's like. <laughs> You know, it's like, where, where's the personality, you know, like, where's you? Because you're, you're totally fine, like, you know, after the episode, but it's it's that kind of like, oh, I'm distracted, like, how am I going to come across this to maybe the audience or maybe to, like, even the okay. guest, you know, but when when you just lean into it and just, you know, have that conversation, just live, that usually works a whole lot better. And if you mess up, well, that's fine, too. Yeah, because, like, I mean, sometimes the mess ups, too, are, like, you know, good because like bloopers <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like if you think about it like all the best ups you've ever had in life are really just they're the bloopers of your life and you you'll still have this entire highlight reel of all the other awesome stuff that you did so it's okay to mess up a few times and i think we should more and more people should lean into um messing up they should lean into their failures lean into normalizing the fact that we don't always get it right that's just that is just how life is i think um i think i had said this once on my podcast is like it's like creatives should be more honest about the many times things don't work out you know instead of it's important especially with social media even i make a point of following people that I believe are real and genuine. It's important for me to know that you live an actual life that doesn't always work out because sometimes it can be so easy for us to want to present as perfect, right? And like, you know, like you said, like even with this podcast, like, but not for all the like little, you know, the other parts of this that have made this just flow freely, right? It, it, it could have been very much like, you know, question, answer, question, answer. If, if we were both just concerned about like, how are we going to do this? Oh my God, how are we do this? It's important to just, it's important to allow yourself just be. Because, yeah, ultimately that's what the world needs. We need, we don't need any more robots. We don't need people following other people. Yep. We need to know that people are real. Yep. And that's what people are going to connect with for sure. Yeah, for sure. What makes you unique? Yeah, <laughs> this is a hard one. I, love it. I wish I, I'm glad I'm on the other side. Uh, I'm gonna ask you. Soon. <laughs> um, no, but I think I think, and I'm gonna I'm going to definitely. I know people they're gonna be like, "Oh, this is a cop out," but we are all unique. Like we are, everyone is unique. We are all shaped by our experiences and. Like, even two people experiencing the same thing will be shaped differently by it. So it's, uh, I think, my life and it's the weird path, kind of, that it's taken my experiences, my failures, my wants, and my, my willingness, I guess, to, to, to always hold space for people. That makes me who I am. And I don't think that I'm the only person that is this way. But... I think that it also makes me want to, it makes me able to connect with people of, of all ages and from all walks of life, even those that differ greatly from my own. And I think that's a pretty cool superpower I have. I don't know if I'm unique for it, but it is definitely one of mine. Absolutely. That is definitely a cool superpower that I have. 
What makes you unique? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever actually answered this this question um, on the episode. I've never had to, so mm-hmm. now you kind of have to. I know. All right, that's fair. You've answered a lot of questions, so it's only fair. I mean, it's only fair. I think I can definitely agree with the idea of you know it. It, it is some like our experiences the sum of our experiences certainly make us all unique and if if there was one thing that kind of makes like the idea of a superpower i think i'm very fortunate enough not to have a huge negative spin when it comes to failing yeah i I think that's what allowed me to be in a position to constantly grow and like make quick revisions and learn from mistakes it's just I don't know, in my mind, it's like, oh, well, I mess up, I mess up. And I think that kind of comes across as very lax and not um, serious about a lot of things, a lot of the projects mm-hmm. that I do. But it, I think it's certainly what allowed me to find uh, growth and success in, like, like, my future projects is because, you know. Yeah. Like the whole... I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm very lucky to have that kind of mentality. You are. <laughs> you really are. Don't get me wrong, they're really like are. not not to come across as like, you know, this is this is the be all end all. Because certainly the more I've started to work towards doing more creative work, um, that kind of mindset has crept in some more. And because it's yeah. it's something that, you know, is is what I wanna do, is I is something that I wanna do really well in, and I think that has added a bit more of that anxiety to failing. But Yeah. Yeah, and I think like the anxiety is, you know, the anxiety is normal, the anxiety is there, but what you mentioned is very, it's very cool, but it's also very important because it's not like your your ability to bounce back doesn't mean that you didn't try or that you didn't want that thing bad enough per se, right? But it's it's the aftermath, like you are able to not dwell on the past you're able to not wallow and you're able to actually see a forward they're like sometimes it's really hard for people to see beyond their current situation mm-hmm. and that is why like like when we think about you know revolutions or we think about change in any form if you can't see beyond the now then you can't think about change you can't think about anything different so i think um you know, in as much as yeah, it may come across as lax, I don't. I think that it's also a very important mm-hmm. attribute to have. It's a very important outlook to have on life because you will fail. Like that's just that is how life is. You will fail, and your ability to bounce back from that failure is what is going to determine your success. Yeah, so true. And it's something that I am learning greatly. Like right now, for the longest time. It was a big thing. I, I wouldn't, I, I didn't used to like to try things that I wasn't sure I was going to get. I had to, I needed to really, really know that I was for sure going to get it um, <laughs> because I had a huge problem with failure. I would, you know, fail at something and I'm not going to do it again for two years. I don't want to try. That was, that was, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't helpful for me in life. It wasn't, you know, I missed out. I feel like I missed out on a lot of things because I, didn't want to bounce back so when i hear you speak i'm like you think that that's not no that's no that is a good thing (laughs) (laughs) no but i can totally relate too i think if if that was and it's not something that you know um a lot of people probably grow up with it with that superpower but i think i think uh, you'll grow it i think you can train it you could certainly train it because 
if if there was something that I've always had, I think I would have started things like this podcast, um, this platform much earlier on and yeah. not have that worry. But at the same time, it's like, all right, you know, if it's hard not to kind of sit and think about, you know, the things that we've missed out on, but now that we have this opportunity and we're a little more comfortable with the failures and you start to kind of grow, grow that power. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Like, it doesn't matter. Just honestly, like with anything in life, I, um, how I mentioned like Bukowski and when he made his first, I don't know, million, I don't know if he ever made his millions actually, but just, it's never too late, right? Like it's not, it's okay if you've always been bogged down by failure. It's like, it's okay if now listening to this podcast is the first time that you're like, oh, okay, I guess I don't have to beat myself up. It doesn't matter when you get there, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter when that happens for you, as long as at some point you choose to live, you know, you choose to to take your own life and make it your own. It doesn't matter when that happens. I just hope that it happens for everybody. Yeah. Totally. Be so cool if it was this podcast episode, you know? I know, right? Like, <laughs> After this, gonna change my life. Loved it. Shout out to Juan and Olivia. Thanks, guys. I think we did it. I think we did it. I think we pulled through. You know, we've made the world a better place from. And I think that's all we've things. Done. That's yeah. it. It's done. Everyone should go home. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess just to kind of get uh, wrap things up, is there any way that the audience can support and follow your work and kind of see what you're up to in the future? Yeah. Follow me at Olivia Onuk everywhere, O-L-I-V-I-A-O-N-U-K. Um, and then from there, you can see everything else that I do pretty much. If you follow me on Instagram, I think you will probably be connected to every other part of my life. Um, I have a website that's langorliving.space. And I kind of I share stories sometimes and pictures on there. And um, I guess maybe I'll probably start sharing more information about upcoming events on there because, you know, the new normal. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Aside from Instagram and my website, I don't really do much. Um, Catch me on other podcasts, I guess, (laughs) which you will hear about on Instagram. Yeah, that's that's really all I have to say to you guys. If you follow me on Instagram, you're done. That's all you got to do. Follow me on Instagram. Perfect. And I guess, uh, yeah, the, thanks so much for doing this episode with us. I really appreciate no, it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. I was so nervous when we started, but this is so much fun. Thank you so much. The questions were, um, I enjoyed every part of it, honestly. Um, it was nice to actually talk about my, um, talk about my work and talk about people and just get to know you a little bit more and the work that you do and yeah this was very honestly this was very interesting i don't i don't do things like this often just because i'm i'm scared they're gonna ask me stupid things but this was really good and i really appreciate you reaching out to me thanks again for listening to the episode consider giving us a rating on itunes and subscribing or following the podcast share this episode with your friends be sure to check out olivia's work on all her platforms and we will see you in the next one